<coughs> Podcast Network Asia. Hi, everybody. I'm Edric. I'm Joy. Welcome to Family, family Unbox, where we talk about everything family, from the light stuff, the fun stuff, to even the heavy and controversial stuff. Because our desire is to encourage families and see the world changed one, one family, family at, at a time. time. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Family, Family Unboxed. Unboxed. And today we want to talk about something that is quite fresh. You, have you ever asked the question, if I could tell my younger self something different to change my trajectory in life, what would it be? I'm sure you've asked that question. If you haven't asked that question, think about it right now. Boom. So we've had to ask that question again recently as you know, we are going through a, another parenting series at our local church. And as we were going through this, it helped me personally ask that question again. Hey, hey, what could I do differently? Or what could I tell myself differently, something different to my younger self? And I, I, when I answered it, it had a lot to do with identity. You know, I would have told my younger self, Edric, you really have nothing to prove because you are special. And a lot of the things you will unpack now, right? So that is something that is very fresh. And I, I, I realize it's something I struggled with and many other guys I know struggle with, many other women we know struggle with. So many families are actually helping or are struggling with this as adults. And we realize it's so important that we're able to answer this question and we're able to also pass this on to our children so they don't wrestle with it and encounter so many other issues. Go ahead, honey. Yeah, I think it boils down to helping our children understand you who they are and therefore who they are supposed to be and what kind of choices they are supposed to make in order to become the person that God designed them to be. And I think it's especially relevant now because young people are online so often and a lot of their identity is formed by the people they look up to, the people whom they want to be with, whether it's celebrities or influencers or even their peers. So they're always comparing themselves to people online, especially on social media and they're always using their peers often, I won't say always, but often using their peers as a gauge for who they should be and the choices that they should make. So unless they really understand, you know, that what Edric was saying at the beginning, that they are special, that they are loved, that they don't have to prove anything, they don't have to perform in order to be loved, to be appreciated, they're always going to struggle with wanting to fit in, wanting to be like somebody else in order to feel like they are significant. So it's especially, it's very important for us parents to talk to our kids about, you know, the, the things that Edric's going to point out now, you know, like gender, race, nationality, family, the things that you would call, what are these things, honey, you would call them? Yeah, we're going to go to that in a little bit. I just wanted to jump in really quick. When my wife started sharing these things, you know, we, we talk about how these are things we feel our kids will need, but the reality is we might need them also for ourselves. Right. Right. Because True. we're also looking at other people online, if we're honest, right? Hashtag goals has become a very popular hashtag because we're looking at aspirational things that we, we cannot even obtain, but it becomes a sense of what we want, who we want to be, or what we want to try and become. And it's creating so much confusion. It's reality. Yeah, I'll just give a, a, a very simple example. The other day, I was browsing through my social media. And I've struggled with weight recently because I've given birth to a sixth child. And I went through surgical menopause because I had to go through surgery. Uh, and that was that's a whole different story. But it's been harder for me to lose weight and get back into being really physically fit, which I used to be before. And then I saw this image of a, another mom. She's She's somebody famous, but... She has like the perfect body now. She just gave birth to a child. And I started to feel jealousy. 
and you know, starting to feel like, how come I can't be like that? Why is it so hard for me? And I think these are, you know, whether you're a young person or you're people like our age, I think this is something we'll always wrestle with, um, comparing ourselves with others, wanting to be something that maybe we cannot be at the present or that we're not even supposed to be. And we we start to feel badly about ourselves and start to really focus and look inward and start to even sometimes spiral into depression. Of course, it depends on the situation. But in this case, I was able to snap out of it because I realized it's so shallow. But there's times when, you know, it, it, it isn't shallow and it can be something really deeper. And I think we have to really tell our children, hey, you know what? You are special to me. You are loved unconditionally. There's nothing that you can do that will ever change that. And the way that you are is exactly how God designed you to be, whether it's your gender, your race, your nationality, your family. And now, of course, when it comes to unchangeable things like character issues, like let's say our kids are not healthy because they're overweight or they're not making wise choices about their habits, those are changeables that we need to help them you know, work through. But when it comes to the unchangeables, I think Edgy wants to explain more about that. What I wanted to say is actually, honey, you look amazing. So you don't have to worry about that other person you're comparing with <laughs> online. And this is exactly what we'll unpack today, right? We're really just starting off with the importance of identity. That's the main topic for this episode because it is something we wish we could tell our younger self, or at least me, I could tell my younger self, you know, to help be secure in early on so that you don't make all sorts of reckless mistakes trying to prove yourself, trying to find yourself, discovering things from peers and influences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So... This is something we feel is relevant, not just for us as adults, but also for our children. And how we will unpack it is we've talked a little bit of why it's so important. And I think many of you are already resonating with the why. We want to go into the what and how. How? What are the things we will focus on in the area of identity? And then how do we help build this into our children in the right way? And maybe even into ourselves, whatever the age bracket we are in right now, because it's so important. As Mark Twain says, the two most important days of our life are the day we were born and the day we figure out why. And a large part of this identity will tell us why, right? Who are we? I mean, if we know who we are, then we will know what we need to be doing with the rest of our life, right? So let's go into the what and then the how. Joy, earlier, helped frame the what by adding words like the unchangeables and the changeables, or the things we can actually control and change. And it's important that we're able to identify these areas of our identity, or even our kids' identity, so that once we're able to frame it like this, then we can better talk about how. How do we create or embrace this identity? without the unnecessary struggle or trying to prove ourselves or deep battles with insecurity that I had, to be very honest, growing up. So what are the unchangeables? Here are some examples of unchangeables. What are these? Joy mentioned gender, race, nationality or citizenship, right? Even things like, let's we can put this on the table, skin color, right? Many of the features we were born with. So unchangeables, even family, our, our hierarchy in the family order, right? So all of these things are unchangeables. And then there are things that are changeable or things that are part of our identity that we can change. For example, the uh, amount of knowledge we have, the skills that we might have started off with as you're listening to this or as your kids might start off with, right? These things can be changed, built, right? Enhanced. 
Um, there are certain things about even our physical features like our hair, you know, those things can be changed, our built, right, our weight. So changeables. So as we unpack the what, once again, we encourage you think about what are the things in your life or in your child's life that are unchangeable and what are the things that are changeable. It's important to frame that so that we will be able to better look at how how we can address those things. Clearly, if it is something unchangeable, part of the how would be to embrace it. And if it is something that's changeable, well, find out how you can change it. So let's now move into the how. Let's go item by item, starting off with gender. Now, if we're to be very honest, this can be a touchy, sensitive, controversial topic, and we will not make it unnecessarily controversial, but instead go to the heart. When we try and build this in our children or even ourselves, there are many different perspectives on gender that can actually clash in the world today. But the most important thing we want to say is twofold. Number one, there has to be a basis for us to now say, you know, this is the right or the forms of gender. And for us, what we've decided to embrace as a family is our guide for who will say what gender is and what the roles are is the Bible, right? We, we believe that God has designed all of us in humanity and everything. And so as the designer, very clearly, as you look at Genesis, when he first created mankind, he said in his image, he created them male and female. He created them. So two genders. And because that is our standard and our guide, that is now how we will help our children and ourselves embrace that identity. We will tell our kids, so we have three sons, Elijah, Eden, and Titus, and then God bless us with three daughters. Imagine the wonderful way God did that, Tiana, Kathleen, and Kaylee. And as we help build their identity in the area of gender, we use those two and say, you know what? As my sons, this is how God has designed you. You're a man. You're male. And for our daughters, we tell them you are a female. So my wife will add some other tips and stories around that now. Right. I think it's it's very important that we model it also. Like in 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 our relationship, Edric and I, we have to model what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man. So I remember just with something really simple, like even learning how to use the toilet, right? It doesn't it doesn't make sense for me to model how to use the toilet to my sons when they were kids. It didn't make sense because I, I don't have that. <laughs> body part. So it made sense for Edric to demonstrate to the boys how to pee into a toilet and for me to demonstrate to the girls. And that's how they learned it because we have the same faculties. If I were to be like (laughs) the same um, body parts to, to demonstrate this sort of thing. And also to affirm that in, in our daughters um, and in in our sons. And I remember just something really simple when we were building our house some years back, and I was telling my my daughter, oh, you know, you finally have a girl's room because when we lived in a condo, they didn't have that. And I said to her, so you're going to stay here in the girl's room and the boys have their own room. And because we had talked to them when they were little, you know, I helped them identify their body parts, even their private parts, like calling it a penis, calling it a vagina, not shying away from those terms because those are the terms. And so I remember she said it was so funny. All of a sudden she said she calls out. Okay, everybody, this is the vagina floor. Only girls allowed. It was so hilarious because she never used the word with malice. And I think a lot of times it's very pure, right? 
a lot of times we have all this malice and perversion and awkwardness attached to even words like the penis or the vagina. And sometimes it's hard for us to even talk to our children about these topics because we ourselves are so affected by everything that's out there in the world and how maybe we learned it growing up about sex and sexuality and gender and nobody maybe came alongside us to tell us, hey, you know, these feelings that you have or the way that you act as a boy or as a girl, those are natural. Those are God-given and to affirm those things in our children. And I'm not talking about stereotyping our children. Like my daughter, Kaylee, she's a girl, but she happens to like dinosaurs and she makes them growl at each other. Does that make it weird? No, because Kids, you know, even if they are girls or boys, they may have interests that may not always seem like the girly or boyish stereotypes. But it's our job also as father, as mother, to help our children form their gender identity. And so they're biologically born with a certain sex, male and female. But as they continue to grow up, like our sons at a certain point start to gravitate towards Edric. And the, and the girls naturally attach themselves to me because they identify with that. They know that, hey, we're girls and, you know, Edric, they're boys. And I remember you were going to say something how, remember before when the boys would be roughing each other up and I'd be like, no, no, they shouldn't do that. You know, they might hurt each other. And what did you say? That it's actually healthy for them to wrestle with one another right. and to do those things. And, to, and you would push them also athletically and physically because I was always more like, I think, babe, you're pushing them too hard. I think the exercise you're making them do might be too difficult for them. And what would you say? You would say... Yeah, so what I would say is along the lines that Joe was talking about, right, is you want to be able to first establish that there's only two, right, and tell them which one they are. So we've done that. Boys, you're a boy. Girl, you're a girl. And then although we're not... We don't need to overemphasize the stereotypes that may have been in the past or are currently prevailing as far as these genders, there are some gender stereotypes that we do need to emphasize, especially today when, again, this is our standard, it can be clouded. And things like that, that actually uh, James Dobson in his book, Bringing Up Boys, is the one that talked about this point that Joy is sharing right now about wrestling and roughing up the boys a little bit, because that is part of the gender stereotype that is actually healthy to help reinforce masculinity and them being a man in this day and age, right? So you want to ask yourself, if there are only two genders, and you agree with this and the standard, then what are the character traits of a man distinct from a woman? And what are the character traits of a woman that are distinct from a man that you will now, as Joy said, model? So if uh, since I'm a man, I need to show this more to my sons, and I need to spend more time with them so that they're able to see these things. And the same with Joy, like I remember when Edric was was helping our oldest son transition into young adulthood, he said, I'm going to take him camping. I want to take him climbing to Mount Apple. And at the top of the mountain, it took them three days to get there. And, you know, our son learned how to kill a chicken and learn how to, you know, be uncomfortable and to persevere. And then at the top of the mountain, Edric had prepared letters from the men in our son's life, like whether it's uncles or close friends or their grand, his grandparents. And Elijah, our oldest son, got to read those letters up on top of the mountain and Edric prayed with him and they, you know, discussed what it means to be a man. And it really mattered to our son. And I remember some, some months later when it was Edric's birthday or maybe it was Christmas, I can't remember what celebration, our oldest son wrote Elijah, Edric a letter and said, you know, dad, I really thank you for modeling to me what it means to be a man. 
and helping me to really understand what that is. And I remember tearing a little. You're getting emotional now. <laughs> well, because because yeah. it was also just you spending time with mm. him that mattered so much. And I think sometimes that gets lost, right? Because parents can be very busy, and we don't think about even these simple things, like how to really help our children understand who they are, who God made them to be. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that because a child may struggle with their gender identity that all of a sudden there's something wrong with them. Because this is where, as parents, we have to come in and be very intentional. And I remember I was talking to somebody recently who said that when she was younger, she was she thought maybe maybe she's not really supposed to be a girl because she felt like maybe she was getting attracted to women. And uh-huh. But before we go there, that's a juicy one. <laughs> It'll be great if you also check out the other shows from Podcast Network Asia. Hi, my name is Jelly Victor. And I'm JC Alanis. Do check out the Parenting Podcast, Real Parents Facing Modern Problems Together. This is brought to you by YF Nutrition Parent Team and Podcast Network Asia. So going okay. back to that, to that <laughs> story, I, you know, she was telling me that she felt like maybe because she was an athlete and she would hang out with girls who um, were a little more um, maybe, you know, rougher and more on the masculine side, I guess. And, and she thought that maybe she was getting attracted to that. And she had a conversation with my mom and she said, you know, mom, I think that maybe, maybe I like girls in that way. And my mom said, you know, at the end of the day, that's a choice because God made you to be a woman, right? And so you have to say to yourself that I am a woman and it's okay to be friends with girls, to be even admire them and look up to them, but to have sexual relationships with them, that's different, right? Because since our standards we share with you is the Bible, we're not, we're not coming to come down on you guys and say, well, you know, that we are you know, better off because we follow the Bible, but the Bible has made the most sense for us as we've navigated the parenting, you know, parenting space and seen other families and counseled others and also learned from people who have gone before us. And so when my mom came alongside my sister and encouraged her and reminded her that the choice to embrace who you are, who God made you to be is, is, is that it's a choice. And you can say, okay, you know, God made you to be a girl. So what does that mean to be a girl? And how can I live that out to my fullest potential? So because she was able to talk to my mom about it and share what she was struggling with and going through, then after that, she realized, you know what? It's okay to have friendships with girls, even to admire them, even to hug them and to be affectionate with them. But I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm going to have a sexual relationship with them. That's something totally different. And once again, that's also a choice that people make in this day and age. So I'm I'm sharing that because with our children, that's what we've told them also, that when they've said, well, even if I'm a girl, is it okay to become a boy. And then I've told my daughters, you know, God made you to be a girl and you're going to be happy as actually fulfilling your role and purpose as a woman. And being a girl, and I would tell them about how awesome it is to be a girl and all the things that you can enjoy being a girl. And then they would get excited and say, yeah, yeah, I want to be a girl. I don't want to be a boy. And then Edric <laughs> would say to the boys, you know, it's awesome to be a boy and this is why. And so there's beautiful things about each gender that we can affirm in our children. Right. And encourage them to embrace. Yeah. And I think the the important thing here, and we will get to this as we close, but I'll give you a teaser already now. The reason why, as we do the how and help them embrace their identity as a boy or a girl or as a young man or as a young lady or as a man or as a woman, is because God makes no mistakes. We, ne- we need to remind them that, that 
God only wants what is good for us. That is in his heart and his nature. And therefore, if he made you a boy, and let's say you're struggling with wanting to be a girl or you're a girl and you're struggling with wanting to be a boy, then you need to go back and say, well, the reason I can embrace this is because this is how God designed me and he's made no mistake. And if I live this out, what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman based on God's design, that I will experience the fullness of the goodness of God and the blessings as part of doing that because that is what he has designed me to be. That is the beauty of these unchangeables. So Joy's going to add something and then we'll go to the next set of unchangeables. Right, and I think that, you know, if, if, if our children maybe struggle with their gender identity, then we shouldn't be reactive, right? We should always find out why. You know, why, why do you feel that way? What makes you think that? To really get to the heart of what they're thinking or maybe some experiences that they've had. Sometimes children also go through sexual abuse and it makes them inclined to, you know, have certain appetites. So we need to find out all these things. Did our child go through something or if not, it, is it something that they heard from outside or is it something that they believe is really inside them? Find out where they're at so that we can have healthy conversations with our children, not reacting, but making sure that they understand they're unconditionally loved and we're committed to really helping them discover who God made them to be. Right. So what are the other things? We talk about unchangeable in terms of race and nationality. I think these two go kind of hand in hand. We need to help them realize that, you know what? Of all the different races in the world, of all the different nationalities in the world, God allowed you or wanted you to be born the way you are. So in our case, our children are Filipino-American as far as nationality. <laughs> as far as race, it's a little bit more confusing because there is a little bit of Chinese. There's Malay, Filipino. There is Spanish. There is American and even some European blood in them because of the different mixes on both sides, right? Joy's parents and my parents. So we tell them, look, this is how God wanted you to be. This is what he's made you to be. And remember, just like we said, this is the emphasis in the gender part also. It is he makes no mistakes. So you are special because that's exactly how he wanted you to be. Go ahead, honey. I remember one time my my daughter, um, Catalina, she's a beautiful girl, but she happens to be darker skinned than her siblings and her cousins who are all like blonde and blue eyed, most of them. And I remember we were at the beach one time and she tans very easily and she she gets really toasty looking. But I love it. I mean, I love the color of her skin. And she said to me, you know, they were doing like this game where they were all looking at their hands and comparing. And she retracted her hand and she came running to me and she said, Mom, I'm so dark. I'm so dark compared to my 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 siblings and my cousins. Why am I so dark? And I said, oh, Catalina, you are a beautiful girl. You know, your skin color is really special. And very recently, because sometimes she struggles with it again, I said to her, you know, Catalina, I was thinking I was on a trip with one with my friends back in college, and all of us are more fair-skinned, but one of our friends is more tan. And everyone thought that she was the beautiful one and that she was, you know, she had beautiful skin. And I'm telling you this, Catalina, because... In every part of the world, people have preferences, you know, things that they think is beautiful. But, you know, it doesn't mean that you are less just because, let's say, maybe in the Philippines, people 
tend to emphasize lighter skin, but actually in different parts of the world, people want to have darker skin and they want to be tan like you. And they even go outside in the sun and burn themselves. And because they're not like your skin, they get freckles and they get skin damage in a different way. And so I said, you know, God has made your skin very special. So, and I had to tell everyone in the family also not to emphasize how she could be different in terms of her skin color, because sometimes they say, oh, we're so white. And then, you know, they would maybe say, oh, Kelly, you know, why are you so dark? And I realized every person in the family has to be on board about affirming um, our God-given identity, how God made us and being positive, because sometimes we can be positive with our kids, but maybe the household help or or maybe a sibling can say something that will make them feel insecure or even appear. So this is why it really has to be a collaborative effort. Well, now she's really gotten to be at a point where she embraces, she's embracing more who she are, who she is. But I think there'll always be that tendency in all of us, right? If we feel like we don't have something that we want, whether it's our skin color, the way our eyes look, or our hair, our body type, our shape, there may always be that temptation to feel like, you know what, I'm not good enough, or I really want to have something else. And and the point that we need to emphasize with our children is can you get to the can you can you say, Lord, you know, I thank you. And I'm going to choose to be content, even though there are things that I wish would be different, things that I wish that I would have. But can I get to the point where I'll say, okay, Lord, I'm going to thank you. And I'm going to accept that this is how I was made. It doesn't mean that there's not areas that I can improve and try to fix to the best of my ability. But can I first just be thankful and say, Lord, thank you for who you made me to be. And that's what we try to do with our children, with the things that once again, Edric mentioned as the unchangeables. Can they em- embrace that and say, you know, thank you, Lord? And then I remember our son, Elijah, he was born with bad eyesight. And even as a five, six-year-old, he he cried when we went to the doctor's office because when he realized that he his eyesight was not good, he was just so distraught about it because he had actually prayed to God. He had prayed to God that his eyesight would improve. And the fact that God had not answered it the way that he hoped that God would answer it, he wrestled even with his faith. Like, you know, if God really loves me, how come he didn't fix my eyesight? And then I reminded him of a verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, God says, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And when I reminded Elijah of that verse, after we came from the doctor's office, he said, you know what, mom, that's the exact verse I read today in my Bible. And so I think God's just reminding me that he really has good plans for me. And he said, you know what, mom and dad, you know, I was thinking some people have good eyesight, but they don't have spiritual insight. They don't have wisdom. And I think I'd rather have wisdom than to have perfect eyesight. And I guess someday in heaven, I really will be able to see perfectly. So as a mom, as parents, you know, when we hear those things from our children, it makes us want to cry because the reality is our children will go through struggles with their identity, with things that they have been born with or not born with. And they're going to have questions about whether God really loves them and if God is good. And our job is really to walk alongside them and to help them understand that they are loved by God. He made no mistakes, as Edric said, and we accept them for the way that they are. But because we're committed to them, if there's areas where they need to change their perspective or their wrong thinking or their habits, that we're going to come alongside them to help them, to coach them, to mentor them. Thanks, honey. For sharing all that. Before I carry on, honey, thank you for sharing all these things. Let's uh, pause for a few messages from the other shows of Podcast Network Asia. Marhaba, I'm Jarek. And I'm Apple. And we're from the Langa Speaks Podcast. Coming to you all the way from Dubai. 
Yalla, join us as we talk about family, faith, and, and everything, everything in between. We're brought to you by Podcast Network Asia to remind you na palangga ka sang Diyos. All right, so thanks, baby, for sharing those things uh, and how important it is really to be able to help our children in the how, right? How do we help them embrace their, you were talking a little bit about their race, their nationality, their skin color, even their eyes, right? When you talked about Elijah, uh, I think there are a couple more stories you wanted to do before we wind down. Go ahead. Yeah, just another one. Even when it comes to even their birth order, you know, some some kids will want to be the oldest, you know, the or some people they don't like the fact that they are the youngest or the or the middle child. And I remember a conversation with one of our sons where just randomly at the at the dinner table he said, "You know, mom, I don't like being the middle child." Now nobody had ever talked to him about what it means to be a middle child or that such a thing even exists. But on his own, he said, "You know, I don't like being in the middle because I feel like my brothers they they play together, they have fun together, and then my sisters they hang out together. But I feel like I don't really have anyone that." you know, I'm, I'm super close to something like that. And of course, as a mom, again, you know, my heart really went out to him because he's the sweetest boy. He's a super sweet kid. And he's really actually very kind to his brothers and to his sisters. He's always thinking about everybody else. And so God just gave me wisdom at that moment to tell him, you know what I said to Titus, you know what you, your birth order is so special because you are like a bridge. You're like a bridge between the older kids and the younger kids. You know how to get along with your brothers, you know how to get along with your sisters. You're a very thoughtful person. You often think about others before yourself and you're very flexible with the way that you are. And I started enumerating all the things that I appreciated about him and all the advantages that I I felt like he had as being the the child that was in the middle at the time this was before we had our sixth child. And I could see his posture change, his face light up, and he began to really feel like Yeah, you know, I guess that those things are important. But then behind the scenes, I talked to my husband and I said, you know what, honey, I think you need to really come alongside Titus and just affirm him, spend more time with him because I think he needs, I think he needs your attention also as a father. And so Edric, of course, right away came on board with it and he did start spending intentional time with Titus. And we began to see Titus' confidence really grow mm. to the point where sometimes we'd be at the table and... Edric or one of the older boys would say something and Titus would confidently say, "Nope, you know, I don't agree with that. Here's my opinion. This is what I think." Yes, and I we would be and then <laughs> right, Edric and I would behind the scenes also say, "Wow, did you notice Titus at the table? Like I think it's great." We wouldn't that, react on the table, yeah. just be cool like it's normal, but we're like, "Wow." And so I would affirm that. I just yeah. want to jump here. I would affirm that in him, right? We need to affirm these things that are strengthening their identity. I said, "Titus, good job. I'm proud of you. You know, you're able to form your own opinions." That's good. That's good. As part of also being a man, you know, and, and so carry on, honey. <laughs> so, so some time later on, I asked him, Titus, do you still, how do you still feel about, you know, being in the middle? Does it still bother you? He's like, no, 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 not anymore, mom. I, I realized that, you know, it, it's something special. So I think what, what we're trying to share with you guys here is that our children are going to go through seasons, right? Where they struggle with who they are, with who God made them to be. And, and if we can, be very positive and start affirming them for the areas where we see that they are growing, for the things that we believe are the positive things that we need to emphasize and highlight, then that really helps them because what we say about them, it forms so much of who they are. I mean, Edric, I think, can share that with you that when he was younger, you want to share that, that what was said to, to you 
by relatives or by even your own yeah, parents. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's why I said that this is such an important, fresh topic, right? Um, I remember my my grandmother actually when I was and we love up, her. We do we love, love her. her. <laughs> we have a great relationship with her now. But you know, really, in my growing years, she would bring me to school with my cousin, and I remember one very vivid moment where, as he was stepping out of the car, he said to her, "Galing, galing mo. You know, you're so good. You're so smart. Go." And then, as I left, she looked at me. She goes, "Pakit ang pangit, pangit mo." And that was, you know, I just looked at her and I said. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. You know, I, I started breaking down and I cried and that was not a good day for me. And it, it, it continued to haunt me until I was able to come up with this same thing we're sharing now. It's so important that for our children, we give them a right sense of identity. And for us as adults, if we have had these hurtful or damaging statements in us, or maybe even our children, it's time to fix that. And how do we fix that? The, the best way to fix that, as we wrap up this how, we've talked about the unchangeables, we want to make sure that as we now help them form a solid sense of identity, we go deeper, not just the outward things, right? The, you, what will you see? Like the skin color, etc., the family, which, which are all important things of part of the identity. But we need to go deeper and do these two things. First, we need to make them feel loved unconditionally. We do not love them because of what they do, because of their gender, their race, their nationality. We love them just because. And it is with that deep sense of security, at least in the family sense, that we can now help build, shape, reshape, heal the identity of our kids. You see, the reason why that affected me for my grandmother um, was because I felt like I had to be a certain way for her to appreciate me, to love me, right? And I didn't feel accepted. And so I said, okay, I guess because I'm pangat kundi niya love, you know, or something to that effect. So yeah, I want to add something because this because he felt insecure in this area when he got into college and he started to bloom, <laughs> and he got into commercial modeling and was on TV. A part of him looked to those things for a sense of self worth, exactly. and that becomes a dangerous thing, right? Where we when we have an insecurity um, because we weren't affirmed in that area, or we feel like it's something lacking, or we're not good enough, then we start to see how we can fill that insecurity with outward things or with achievements and accomplishments or maybe even the affirmation of others. And then we start to feel like our sense of self-worth is based on those things. So when they actually get taken away or that's threatened, then we start to spiral into negative thinking and even sometimes depression because we're not processing it healthy in, in a healthy way. We're not recognizing that we actually had a deep insecurity that was never dealt with. Yeah. never identified and that we never understood really who we are. Yeah. So even if you're able to obtain it, so I, you know, I got braces, went to the derm, I worked out, I took supplements, you know, good ones. <laughs> Suddenly she looked at me and she goes, wow, bakit ang guapo guapo mo na? You know, in English, wow, you look so good. You're so good looking now. And I guess it was shocking for her from where I came from, but that didn't fill me. You know, I wasn't satisfied with that. I still had an insecurity, like I had a chip on my shoulder and maybe some of us, if we're honest, that's what's happening. Or maybe some of our kids, they're still trying to prove that. Because that's maybe what we unfortunately have damaged in them as parents and because we've been damaged by our parents or whoever else. And so I want to encourage us again. This is one of the two fundamental ways to help build healthy sense of identities. Number one, they need, our children need to feel unconditionally loved. 
uh, one of the things I learned from my father is he said to me, you know, I've had, I've had my own drama and journey with my dad and identity, but we'll do that another time. And he's changed so And he's much. changed. We have a great relationship now, but it was also hurtful and damaging in my growing years because of the lack of, you know, affirmation and my identity that was also very, therefore, damaged and insecure. So having said that, part of how he helped heal this is when he said to me, son, and he told all of us, his children, he said, there's nothing you can do that will make me love you less. My love for you is unconditional. Now, are there things that might disappoint him or he wants us to help fix and still improve on? For sure. But that sense of security, when he told me that in my later years, I, I honestly, I broke down, I cried and it, it healed so much because I realized, okay, all of this pushing, this, this trying to feel this sense of I, I'm good enough or I, I'm of good worth, I realized was actually futile. And, and when he finally said that to me, there's nothing I need to do. It it helped heal so much in my heart, in my life, to be honest with you guys. And you had to come to a point, right, where you also chose to forgive your father or the other people in your life who hurt you or damaged you emotionally. For sure. And that 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 point came when you really understood how much God loves you. Exactly. And exactly. And that is the other area, right? If one, we need to be able to show our children that we unconditionally love them. Number two, and this is so important in the area of identity for us and our kids, is we need, we need to realize we are unconditionally loved also. There is a father who is perfect, and it is his vote, and it is his opinion that should matter most in all of our life about who we are and our sense of identity and worth and value. And when we realize that he tells us in, in John 3, 16, right, for God so loved the world, he gave us his only son, that whoever believes in his son will, will not perish but have eternal life. He loves us so much. The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, he gave us his son, Jesus. So we realize that God loves us in an unconditional way as his children. You know, if we've come to him and we've really received his grace and his love in our life, we receive what Jesus has done in his life, then we are his children. And if we are his children, then we have this unconditional love, which is what matters most. And if we know that this exists for us, then, then we can say, you know what? Yes. I am loved by you. I have nothing to prove. This is what will happen for our children when we when they realize they're unconditionally loved by us and by God, they will improve on the changeables in their life. They will push excellence. They will try and be all that they can be as God has designed them with now what is called a God confidence. They are secure in the love that their parents have and they're secure most of all in the love that God has for them. Then they can now carry about doing the things they will do without this chip on their shoulder or this fear that they're not good enough. And to be honest, that is what healed me first before I even had the conversation with my dad. That was just a wonderful bonus that, as I mentioned, brought me to tears. So it is so important that we're able to build this as well. Yeah, because I think when we realize that it's God who made us, it's God who really loves us ultimately, then our, our motivations shift from wanting to please people wanting to do things in order to feel good about ourselves, to really wanting to please God and honor Him as a designer and do things that glorify Him. So ultimately, we look to God, right, even for that accountability. So even with our children, even with myself, you know, that's what I struggled with in college. I, I did things to please people. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be liked. I wanted people's affirmation. And so I made choices that weren't, all, that weren't always good for me or good for the people around me or healthy because... I wanted so much to be special in other people's eyes. It wasn't until I really realized, wait a second, I, 
I chose to really be a follower of Jesus and I chose to really honor him. So then that became the focus. Like if if I say that I'm a follower of Jesus, are the choices I'm doing really aligned with that? Are they really pointing people to God or pointing people just to myself? So so that's when I started to make the right choices. And that's what we're trying to do with our kids now is prevent a lot of the heartaches that Edric and I went through because we were lost when it came to our when it came to our identity. Yeah, and there's this verse that's very popular in Christian circles, Philippians 4:13, I can do all things through Christ, not through our ability, not through our gender, race, nationality. It's through Christ who strengthens me. And that is the God confidence we want to help instill in our children as far as their identity is concerned, right? And you do, you want them, and we want to make sure that as we build their identity, it's not actually about them. It's about what they can now do with what they have from God to now be a blessing to other people and point them also to that same God. That is the goal here as we help build the identity. It's not, we want you to feel special because it's all about you and you're special, right? It's, we want you to realize you are so special and you are so loved unconditionally that as a result of that, you can now go out there and help make a difference, help impact others, be a blessing to others, help them come to know about this same God that loves them should they choose to have a relationship with him also, right? So so that is what we wanted to, to share. And if I was to frame this very simply, the reason why we decided to talk about this identity thing is the net net of this is when people ask you, who are you? You will not say, oh, I'm a boy or I'm a girl or I'm a Filipino or I'm a Filipino-American oh, or I'm a Mendoza, right? Or I'm unconditionally loved. What you're going to say is, I am a child of God. I'm a follower of Jesus first. That is our core identity. That is the eternal identity we have and then we can start talking about the other things. Oh, and I also am a Mendoza, or for me, I am also a uh, financial planner, et cetera, et cetera. And when we flip that around, that fundamental shift creates so much as far as the motivations of what we do, the purpose of what we do, who are we doing it for, and the sense of self-worth and even fulfillment that many people are looking for. It is not from any other identity point but ultimately, it is from that that we realize, you know what? This is who I really am. I am a follower of Jesus. I am a child of God. So we hope that um, this has been helpful for you guys. Again, we've talked about identity and how important it is for us to impart in our children early on. And for us as adults to embrace this, we looked at the why, we looked at the what, and we looked at the how. So my wife will now share a few closing thoughts and then we'll wrap up. So as we end this, I just wanted to end um, with a statement that I think puts everything into perspective, right? To know who we are, we need to ask whose we are. And until we really understand whose we are, you know, who who made us, who do we really ultimately belong to, then we will understand what's really shaping our identity at present. Wonderful, baby. So we encourage you to ask that question, even as you're hearing this, right? As you've never asked, answered that. And then you too, can heal and find a great sense of fulfillment knowing whose you really are. And then, now you know who you are. And who you're supposed to be. (laughs) And then you can move forward in what you are supposed to be along those lines and impart this to your children as well. So, thanks again for joining us in this episode brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics.
The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.